0: το σον κελύε τον σου και νοίσω την κληρονομία σου νικάς τις βασιλείς κατάβα βάρον ναρυμένο και το σον the As Nico said, the talks of this year's Christmas retreat will be centered around the essence of our Christian faith, the essence of Christianity. St. Paul writes in the second epistle of Corinthians, examine yourselves, examine yourselves constantly. Test yourselves. Examine yourselves to see if you are in the true faith. Because the true faith is very, very important. See, it is not enough to have 90% of the truth. You know, many times, you know, when we speak to Other confessions who say, well, orthodoxy is the fullness of the truth. We have the fullness of the truth, but you're okay. You know, you are good, some others are better, and we're best. This is not the relativism that the church fathers used. They looked at the church as the body of Christ. And if a body, if a body has one or two cancer cells they don't stay one or two what happens to them they divide they upset the physical and natural harmony of the body so we need to re-examine ourselves according to st. Paul we need to test ourselves to realize Christ is in us. Just test yourselves to see if you have Christ inside of you. How much Christ do we have inside of us? St. Paul says, unless, of course, you are adokimi or unseasoned. So, in this series of lessons, we will undergo a spiritual examination to see if we are trying to practice the correct Christianity. Because without correct Christianity, without correct dogma, we will slip-slide in terrible ethics. Unfortunately, the majority of our Christians, as we said earlier, will fall prey to the wrath of the dragon who always tried to devour the male child. The book of the Revelation in the 12th chapter is a great image. A big fiery dragon comes and tries to swallow, goes after the woman. The woman is the Theotokos in that chapter. But it also coincides with the church. And the red fiery dragon goes after the male child, Jesus, he tried to destroy Christ when he came on earth. He tried to tempt him in the desert. Many times the Jews tried to kill him.
1: And eventually
0: he took him to the, to the cross. But the male child ascended, went into heaven. And now every Christian who bears the name of Christ will be chased by the dragon. Anyone who has Christian, true Christian characteristics will be attacked by the demons and the dragon, especially nowadays because he knows that his days are few. We have in the book of the Revelation a specification of some of the widespread sins of the last days in 9:20 of the book of the revelation it talks about the plagues and in some study we will do a whole course on the different plagues of the book of the revelation it's very symbolic language and we need all the help of the church fathers to be able to walk through these verses but it speaks about a number of sins that the people of the last days will have and will not be able to repent from because they will not have the Holy Spirit. It says in the sixth plague that one-third of the people were killed by fire, smoke, and sulfur. The rest of the mankind did not repent of their idolatry, the rest of mankind did not repent of their idolatry, nor did they repent from their murders, their sorceries, nor their fornications, plural, nor their thefts. So the artificial and saltless An unseasoned type of Christianity of our days is leaving a great vacuum in the souls of the people. And most people will fall prey to these sins. About murders, we don't have to talk too much about. We see them all over the place. Nations murder other nations and people in general, the unborn. And that is, human life has become... Very inexpensive in our days. Significantly enough, sorceries is going to be one of a great sin. And I want to bring your attention to something that most of you probably know, this very evil series of books called Harry Potter. These books, these books will introduce a whole generation into sorcery and witchcraft these books are not innocuous these books have been translated in 47 different languages and most of our Christians in Greece are lining up by the blocks to buy these translated books by the thousands over 116 million books have been put in the hands of children between five to fifteen sixteen year old, these books are demonic, yes, they are fiction, and a lot of our Christians think, oh, it's exciting, my child is finally reading, but we have to see what are they reading? The question is and the the strange thing is the most people that are screaming the most and the loudest about these books are ex-wizards and ex-sorcerers. People who finally were able to get away from the devil. They repented. They joined some form of Christianity. And these people are making the loudest noise against these books. And they are stating, we have interviews of ex-magicians and wizards that are stating that these books are manuals for the occult. This woman who's writing these books, she's being illumined by demons. She's an ex Wiccan, an Antichrist, who says they are blaming me, but they, sh- they should be thanking me because I am liberating their children. Liberating their children from believing on the deceiver Christ, this is how she talks, and this is because an artificial Christianity does not reach the soul. An artificial and saltless, unseasoned Christianity will keep us adocimus, according to Saint Paul, always listening, always always talking about things, but never learning, never practicing. Shallow, unseasoned Christians. A generation of children is being de-Christianized. And it was Lenin, I believe, who said, you give me one generation of children and I will change the world. So based on this, the Antichrist is not too far. Because... As we said, the sins of his contemporaries will be major witchcraft. People will be involved in all kinds of witchcraft. And we see this idolatry that's coming out. The way it's stated in the book of the Revelation, we read in the 17th chapter, the beast which once was, And it was not, and will come up again from the abyss to go into perdition. The beast that once was the ruler of this age, of this world, the devil. The devil is synonymous with idolatry. Keep that in mind. So the beast, before Christ, he ruled. He ruled. He took everyone to Hades. Where Christ came, he bound Satan and the beast was not we have the Byzantine Empire where the whole known world became Christian and the books of the sorcerers were burned we had the golden age of Christianity so the beast was not But it will come up again from the abyss to take many, many people into perdition. It's coming up again through heresy, through witchcraft, through these books. And we need to resist this great spirit that's enveloping the whole planet. We need to hold on to our genuine Christian identity the artificial, the lukewarm, the secularized Christian will be lost along with the beast. So we will begin to examine again our Christian name as it's stated in the New Testament. Our Christian identity. Something that most people are not very proud of today. We'll look into the names Of Christians of the early church. The name Christian was not the first name of the followers of Christ. We have many names in the New Testament. The followers of Christ were called chosen, disciples, faithful, those who call upon the Lord, saints, These are all names that we are supposed to measure up to. St. Ignatius says, anybody who boasts about any other name above the Christian name, he has cut himself from a people of God. So many people today boast about everything else, about their football team, soccer team, everything else, but their Christian identity. 43 AD was the year approximately when the followers of Christ were called Christians. And it was a name of stigma. They were called Christians by the Gentiles. It was a way to put them down. It was like a pejorative name. Because they talked about Christ all the time, you know, they began to call them <clears throat> Christians. These people are Christians. And false rumors were being spread that these Christians are murderers. They're bad. They're really bad people. And that's why St. Peter, in one of the epistles, will say, Let them blame you about being Christian. And as long as you don't do any of these things that they blame you about. The Christian name is a name of great honor according to the church fathers. And it's the name that has been prophesied in Isaiah. The Christian name. In Isaiah sixty-five thirteen. God is talking to the disobedient Jews, to the disobedient people through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, "You shall leave your name as a as a curse to my chosen. For the Lord God will slay you and call his servants by another name." He's talking to the Israelites. He's telling the Jews that some day, your name will be put aside and another name will be given to those who follow me. So the new name of the people of God is Christianity, the Christian name. You shall leave your name as a curse, the name of Judaism. For the Lord God will slay you. Again, he's talking to the disobedient people who did not want follow Christ we mentioned before that obedient Israel the true Israelites they became the church they became the church during Pentecost and the preaching of the gospel but those that did not follow Christ their name has not been extremely honored through the centuries and this is prophecy prophecy In Isaiah, the Lord will slay you and call his servants by another name. At 70 AD, this prophecy saw its fulfillment. At least part of its prophecy went over. One or two million Jews were slayed inside the walls of Jerusalem by Titus. So this is the great name of Christianity that we need to uphold. And it is the only name that's being attacked by the ACLU and everybody. See In the U.S. and Canada. You can talk about anything else, about Hinduism. You can talk about Muslim religion. You can have the Koran everywhere. The only thing that's being attacked is the Bible and Christianity. So a Christian is a name, is a person, Who promises commitment to the life of Christ. Commitment to the life of Christ. It is the greatest name, even though, again, it was not the first name. It was given to us around 43 AD. And after a while, the church considered this name to be very proper. It embraced this name, even though it was given to us by the Romans, the Gentiles, and the unbelievers. Another name that identifies us is the chosen people of God. We are God's elect. We are God's chosen people. Peter 2.9 to the scattered brothers of Bondos, Cappadocia and all those chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Chosen a Christian is a chosen person chosen by God and in Matthew twenty four thirty one, when Christ is coming back right before he's coming his angels will gather his chosen from all the four winds of the earth the angels will gather the chosen people of God now you may ask does God choose some people and He pushes aside some others? What does that mean? How are we chosen? Do we believe in predestination? Certainly not. Some of the Protestants do. But God chooses to save a few people and some others, He spurns. Now we have to interpret Scripture by Scripture to be able to understand God wishes for everyone to be saved. God does not display any favoritism. He wishes for everyone to come to the epignancy, to the deep knowledge of the truth. But to, in order to understand this, we need to look at some of the parables. How are we chosen? In one of the parables, the king is getting ready for the banquet of his son and he invites he sends out an invitation to everyone everyone is invited and what happens to some of the people who are honored at this banquet the one says I bought a field and I need to go take a look at it I'm honeymooning with my wife now. It's not time. Oh, I'm doing Christmas shopping now. I cannot come to the Bible class or to the study. I can't come Wednesday night. I have things to do. Oh, this Sunday? Yeah, I can't make it to church. And we go through our life with these excuses. We make excuses. We don't want to. You see? You don't go look at a field at night time. This is a supper. Supper back then was 6, 7, 8, 9 o'clock at night. It was late. So you don't look at a field night time. These are excuses. So the Lord says forget these, go invite anybody who wants to come. The parable is pointing towards the Jews who did not accept the Sun. Go find the Gentiles. Bring them in. Go to the streets, to the... Anywhere. Pull them in. And one of the people that came in did not have a proper garment, which shows that the king was providing all the garments. We have to also understand some of the history and some of the traditions of those times. You know, clothes were very, very expensive. So a king would probably provide two or three hundred wedding garments for everybody to wear when they were coming in. And they all they all had the same garment. So people could not have an excuse. They didn't have an excuse. I didn't have one. I'm too poor to buy They all had the same garment. Which shows that God is going to give us his grace to be chosen. He's going to provide our garments. He's going to provide his mysteries to prepare us. But the one visitor refused to wear the garment. He was offered one, but he was disobedient. He wanted to do things his way Let's see. so the servants of the king said what are you doing here you don't have the proper garment so he was escorted out and that parable ends many are called and the word many in the scriptures means all many everyone is called but few are chosen but to be chosen, we have to use our own free will. God is inviting us, but we have to want to obey and be there to take part in His supper. So we are chosen. It's one of our names, one of our Christian names. Not exciting. We are the chosen people of God. Doesn't mean anything to us. Because see, we heard these things so many times, they don't, they, they don't stir us up anymore. We have become callous. Another one of our names that we need to live up to is we are disciples. Disciples. In the Acts of the Apostles, We read that, and by the Word of God, and it's very important that we hear and study the Word of God. The Word of God has to be heard. How can someone believe if they don't hear? That's why these studies are very important. So by the Word of God, not just prayer, not just prayer, but by the Word of God, both. By the Word of God, the number of disciples we're increasing greatly in Jerusalem. So all the Christians are disciples of Christ. People that study the life of Christ, they study the word of Christ, and they study the life of his body, the church. So we need to develop a spirit of discipleship. We have to be constantly learning but when we have egotism, you know what we say? Taxero, taxero. We know these things. We heard them once. We know them. Yeah. Yeah, you know what happens at the sitcoms every night, but you sit there and watch those every night, right? You know, Tana and some of these terrible Greek channels. We watch those every night. We know these things too, but we like to watch those things because we have become sick inside. So in order to be a disciple, we need to develop, of course, the spirit of discipleship and the spirit of humility. No, we don't know it all. We need to know certain things because true knowledge about God will help us to act and live properly. Another name of the early Christians that we see, and today's Christians, of course, these are all apply to all of us Christians. Bisti or faithful. Why are we called faithful? This goes back to the life in paradise, Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were asked To be faithful to God. They were given a test of faith. Do not eat because you will die. Now, they never knew anything about death. They never saw anybody die in paradise. This was totally new to them. They needed to believe. They needed to believe. However, the devil comes... And persuades them, destroys and shatters this faith, and tells them, oh, no, no, you won't die, you'll become gods. So, they acted in disbelief. They lost their faith in these words of God. And they lost paradise. Now, in order to return to paradise, we need to use the same root. The same way, the element of faith, the element of faith. And that's why we were called faithful, bestie. Back then, God says, do not eat. You shall die. You're not ready to eat. Today, the same God, the same creator, the second person of the Holy Trinity, He says, Now you must eat from this tree. You must eat from the fruit of this tree. Back then was, Do not eat from this fruit. You will die. Now, in the New Testament, God says, You must eat from the fruit of this tree. Who's the fruit? Hanging upon the tree. Christ. Christ. And now as as Christians. If we do not eat. The body and blood of Christ. We do not live. We die. We die. Unless you eat. The flesh of the son of man. You have no life in you. You're spiritually dead. And if you're spiritually dead. Your body will resurrect someday. But will go into perdition. As we said earlier. Along with the prince of the abyss. Along with the devil and the demons. So we have to exercise our faith. We have to have commitment and faith in the words of Jesus Christ. It is not enough just to believe in Christ, but we have to obey in his commandments. Because without obedience to the commandments, we cannot purify our heart. And if we don't purify our heart, God cannot speak to us. We cannot be illumined. And we will miss his voice when he is calling. Another name of the early Christians that we see in the New Testament, they were called those who call upon the Lord. It's a longer name. All the other names were one word. This has more words to it. Those who call those who call upon the Lord Ananias was a disciple in Damascus and we uh, spoke last year about St Paul falling off his horse when he was struck by the light of God and then groping who finally made it without his physical eyes he made it into Damascus and there the Lord appears to Ananias in a vision and tells him, Ananias go to this home and there you will find Paul baptizing and here we see the human weakness (laughs) we see how Ananias is trying to correct the Lord sometimes we do that (laughs) Lord, Lord don't you know But you know that this man has caused so much grief, so much harm to all those who call upon your name. He's trying to... It's just a human reaction. And then he realized what he was saying, I'm sure. (laughs) Lord, don't you know that this man... Yes, I know. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Lord, I have heard many reports about all the harm this man has caused to all those who call upon your name. That was one of the names of the Christians because they constantly called upon the name of the Lord. A Christian is a Christ-centered existence. Constantly refers to the name of the Lord. We call upon his name. But St. John the Chrysostom says it is not enough just to call upon his name when we need him. And it is not enough to just call upon his name like most people do when something troubles them or something terrorizes them. It is not enough, but we need to live the life of Christ. We live to have the ethos, the ethics, Christoethia, the Christian lifestyle according to the commandments. And yes, everybody who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, is one of the prophecies. But it is not enough just to call upon the name of the Lord, we're in trouble. Well, we do that. We always will. But we have to constantly refer to the name of the Lord. It needs to be the reference point of our life. Are we ready to enter into our marriage? We call upon the Lord. Lord, is this the person that you want me to to continue my life with, show me, please. We pray constantly, especially in the great stations of our life. Do I is it Your will for me to study this field, to be an architect, to be a pilot? Is this Your primary will? See, God has two wills. He has. His primary will, which is his perfect will, in Greek. But he also has the secondary will, which is will by allotment, kataparahorisin. We need to exercise to stay in the primary will of God, because when we fall into the secondary will of God, then we will have some suffering in our life. Just like a child comes up, Dad, I want a motorcycle. Please, I have to have a motorcycle. What wise father will try not to persuade his child not to have one? They're dangerous. Simple as that. That's the primary will of the father. But if the teenager insists, finally we're going to say what? Well, go ahead and do it. It's usually consequences when we always choose the secondary will of God. However, the best way to call upon the name of the Lord is through the short prayer, the powerful, the all-powerful prayer, the prayer of the heart, as it's called, the Jesus prayer, or the prayer, the FK, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And there's different versions of that prayer. Christ and when we constantly repeat this prayer, we constantly call upon the name of the Lord. And we are constantly purifying our hearts. And we make ourselves vessels of the Holy Spirit. Which brings us to the next name of the Christian, Something that may surprise us, one of our names is Saints. We are supposed to be the saints of God. Agi. Many times, you know, when we begin to fast, some of our family members, what are you, you want to become a, a saint. There's no But this is what our calling is. This is what God wants. This is the primary will of God. the Agi. Become holy because I am holy. This is the calling of Christianity. Christ did not come to teach us how to be good people, how to have good values, to be people of values. You know, this is the big discussion among families today. You know, the surveys being done in the United States and uh, you know, people wonder, why don't we have good values anymore? You know, we have to teach our children values. We will not have good values if we do not have Christ. And good values are not something autonomous. Autonomous. So, it is not enough to teach good values. Christ did not come to teach us good etiquette. He came to show us how to become godlike, how to become like He is, something that the philosophers would never understand. Some of the other classes will talk about philosophy and Christianity and different philosophical systems. And we will see they would never expect this from a human being to become godlike. This is our calling to become saintly, to become Christ like, become holy for I am holy. God will give us the talents to traverse, to go through the journey. From the image to the likeness. Everyone, everyone is born in God's image. Every human being. The image is a given. Everyone. We are in the image of God. And today, you know, we see non-Christians and, you know, we see people that are accomplishing great things. Astronauts computer, wizards, phenomenal things in science, technology, incredible things. Why? Because the soul of men and the body of men, the person, is made in the image of God and based on this on the dynamics of this image we have these great capabilities but these capabilities are horizontal they are of the news they are of the of the reason this is not how we reach god in order To become God-like, we have to develop this organ of the soul, this part of the soul called nous, something that doesn't even exist in the Protestant theology, and even the Catholic or the Latin theology, something that they lost. We need to practice traditions and also the commandments of God to purify the heart to become holy, saintly, day by day. The word saint or holy has two meanings in the New Testament I use in Greek. It means something that's separate speak of the holy chalice the holy chalice it is something separated and preserved for that specific purpose and when the idolater king of Babylon Nebuchadnezzar came to the temple of God thousands of years ago because of the sins of the Israelites. He went into the temple. And he completed a great sacrilege in the temple. He destroyed the temple. And he took all the holy objects of God. The silver, the gold. He took it back where? To Babylon. And I believe his son. At some Began to use these holy objects to drink wine and have a great celebration with all the magistrates and the prostitutes and everybody and they were using the holy objects of the temple to drink out of and the wrath of God came that night and he saw he saw a writing a hand a writing on the wall These strange words. You're weighed, you're measured, and you were found lipsos. You were found insufficient. You're going to die tonight. And he was destroyed that night. And uh, our church fathers tell us that the Magi, those who came from the East, they made up for that evil. They did repentance for that awful action of that king. They returned that gold to the temple. They brought what to Christ? They brought gold. And that gold represents the gold that Nebuchadnezzar took from Babylon. So the holy things of God are separate. That's what holy means. And as Christians, we need to be separate from the world. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, meaning Babylon. And Babylon is the secularized world. Come out of her and be separate. And do not touch anything unclean. And I will accept you. And I will be your God and you will be my people. God wants us to be totally His. The problem of us Christians today, we want to enjoy the combination of sin and salvation. This is the dilemma of today's Christianity. We want both. We want the world and we also want holiness. And the two do not get along. When we begin to bring the world into the church, into our lives, then we become secularized, spiritless Christians. The Christians, most of the Christians of our days, most of us, we have been highly influenced by the world. But God is very clear. The Christians of the early centuries. They were separate. They left, they, they kept that Christian name to the highest level. Remember the 40 martyrs? Remember all the martyrs? Who are their parents? Christianos y mí. Who are your friends? Christianos y me. i I'm a Christian. Where do you meet? Cristianos y me. That's all they repeated. Their lips were sealed. And they were executed. They were slaughtered. But they said, I'm a Christian. You're not going to get anything out of me. This is what they repeated over and over again when they were caught by their prosecutors. They held a Christian name and people that walked around them, they used to say, look at them, how much they love each other. They are of Jesus. Look at them. But what happened to us? Unfortunately, the love of the many, the love for Christ has grown cold. And this happens as we begin to become more and more material. As we begin To have our noose and our mind 99% of the time on the cares of this world, St. Nicodemus says, then we cannot delve into the mysteries of God. Society has become so anti-Christian that both husband and wife must work. But we have to work all day and have a part-time job because of our desires, St. James says. We want more because we want to compete with everybody else. And because our children are children of this world, we need to provide them the same way the world does. So we found ourselves spending much time away from our calling. There are many misconceptions about Christianity. Christianity. Many misconceptions, how do we need to clear up Many people think, well, he was a good person. person may die, or you know he was a good person he didn't bother anybody. I think this summer we were talking to someone to go to confession. He came with us to one of the monasteries and he says oh uh i." They'd be You know, this is, this is the classic. The classic week. You know, <laughs> the classic. Never bother a human being. Never. But then he confessed to us <laughs> And he says, he never let a girl go by without bothering her. But he never bothered a human being. You see, that's supposed to be natural. You know? Amazing, because we have ignorance. Ignorance. We think that we have to kill somebody. You know, to, to bother somebody. First of all, we bother God when we show lack of gratefulness. When somebody who died for us. When he gave his only son to die for us. And we don't give a few hours of our week to learn. To learn to get involved in his life. There are many misconceptions about Christianity today. People think that Christianity is here to help people, to help uh, the world, to feed the poor, to make people good citizens of this earth. And that's why most politicians, you know, they look at the church in in such a way, you know, we need the church, we need the church. The church is helpful to us. It will help us solve some of our problems. This is not the calling of the church. Christ came to make us citizens of paradise. St. Paul says, Our politivma, our citizenry, is not in this world. It's in heaven. We are visitors here. We're visitors. You know, if you're staying in a hotel room, you don't sit there and put up wallpaper and decorate. And you know, Funny, that would sue you probably. But you don't even, if you stay in a hotel room for a week or a month, you don't sit there and, you know, begin to reconstruct the whole room. And this is what we do. Life is very quick, Very short. Very short. Become holy. Being holy is one of our names, i.e., St. John says in 3 3 in one of his epistles, We will see him as he is. We will see Christ, the resurrected Christ. We will see him exactly as he is, with our eyes. And the one who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. And that's why we purify our hearts by the Jesus prayer, by the mysteries, and by all the tools that the church and God has provided for us. In the talks to come, we'll talk about the noose, purification of the noose, We will talk about some of the things that Christianity is not. And then we will concentrate on the essence of Christianity and the reason why Christ came on earth. Any questions before we close for the evening? The way to slow it down is to help Another cell of the body to become healthy. You see, the way we make the church healthy is, first of all, you know, the church is very healthy. The church is the body of Christ. We have to make that distinction. The church is flawless, but we are also the members of the body of Christ. And as we help ourselves first to understand the essence of our calling, the essence of Christianity, and we understand that we are disciples and we have, we have a calling to make disciples of all nations. And we don't do that. See, once we begin to do that and the way we started in the Orthodox sense, first we have to become illumined and then we will help others. The way we do that Is by simply helping and purifying our own hearts and then talking to people who are receptive about Christ and about the church and helping one person, one person to become a healthy member of our community. And then if we have two, five, ten, twenty, thirty healthy members, this this will slow down because the Christians says, "You give me ten Christians, and I will change a whole city." But what Christians? Not like us. Not like us. Christians who are purified, who will say, "Christiano si me." That's it. To me, everything else is secondary. The way we slow the process down and yes God can we slow God's process yes Moses has done it God was ready to destroy all the Israelites he told Moses a number of times let me just finish these people off and look I'll start I'll start all over again and Moses he wanted to also test Moses and see his heart not to see it to to let us have this eternal testimony about the heart of Moses to see how a true leader, a true shepherd is who dies for the sheep. And he says, Lord, I know these people are miserable. And I am uh, editorializing here. Okay, I'm not quoting scripture. I know that they're stiff-necked. But if you're going to kill them, go ahead and kill me too. See, he loved, he had true love in his heart. And this, of course, you know, pleases God. So when we become vessels of the Holy Spirit, then he listens to our prayers Saint spirit Saint Spirit, any spirit here? Happy name day. He was a shepherd, and when thieves would go and break into his uh, into his flock, of course they had to stay up late at night until the dogs slept, and you know maybe the you know and they would get in to steal you know some sheep or. When, when he would catch them, um, he would feel. Listen, you guys stayed up all night, you did a vigil for this. Here, just take one, take it with you. Go ahead. <laughs> what thieves would not change by this kind of heart, by this kind of soul? They all repented in Cyprus. This one, uh, he had a. He was selling. Somebody came to buy. Twelve goats, and he and the saint told him, "Just go and put uh, the money, you know, right there. You don't have to count it. No, no, we don't count. it. Just go put it there." Well, he paid for eleven, but he didn't pay for the twelve, and he took the eleven goats, and they all followed him along. The twelve would not budge. He comes, carries this animal puts him on his shoulders, and continues to walk. And this animal is beating him, literally beating him, cutting him up. He's bleeding. The animal is running back. He cannot take this animal with him. And the saying finally asked him, uh, is it possible that you did not pay for this animal? And he fell down and, you know, he asked for forgiveness. I'm sorry, uh Father, I, I gave into temptation. But I didn't pay for it. So you went and you put the extra coin there. And instantly, the animal joined the others all by itself. You see, uh, when you have these giants, these beacons of orthodoxy, then souls are changed, thousands of people. So this is the orthodox way. To run all over the place and do missions, missions, missions. Okay, we don't accomplish much. We will accomplish a few things. But we will accomplish great things if we first purify our hearts and become vessels of the Holy Spirit and practice the Christianity that Christ has left us, the one that most of us will lose when he says, rhetorically, he asks the question, when I come back, will I find faith on earth? Will I find faith on earth? And the answer is no. He will find a very, very artificial, ecumenistic, everything goes type of Christianity. Married homosexuals. Oh, I'm sorry, it's against the law to talk about that in Canada. Yeah, you can go to jail for that. Okay. And I'm not not being joking. Uh, that is true. You know, uh, we will find people who actually have churches and teach things that even small children know that they are unholy and ludicrous. But unfortunately, when we have all these dialogues with these people, we begin to think like them as we will speak in the other classes, because most of our theologians today they are theologians of academia, of the reason, of the reason, logiki. However, uh, the part of the soul, part of the soul that receives the revelation of God is the noose. The noose. And unless that becomes purified and clean. It cannot receive revelation from God. It coincides with a reason. So we have a lot of brain talk today. It doesn't come from their heart. And people know it. They know it when we speak. So we need to pray for people to become vessels of the Holy Spirit. And we need to start with us. Because we have a great calling. We are Christians. The greatest name on earth. The greatest name on earth. We are chosen people, and we walk around miserable most of the time because we didn't finish our Christmas shopping on time. We walk around miserable because we go out and spend, 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 as Nico said, and then we are depressed for a number of months.